Well, this morning, we have reached the end of this year-long journey through the book of the Bible known as the Acts of the Apostles. Now, if you were with us when we began this all back in May of 2022, uh, you might recall that right from the beginning, we noted that the book of Acts could really be more accurately called the continued Acts of Jesus, or, or perhaps even the Acts of the Holy Spirit, since that's really what the book is all about. Uh, the author Luke wrote this book as a sequel to his first work, which was the Gospel of Luke, and he wrote it for a man named Theophilus. And Luke begins the book of Acts by saying this, In my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. And, and that's the key here. Everything Jesus began to do and teach. The, the work of Jesus did not stop when Jesus rose from the grave and then later ascended into heaven, but rather it continued as Jesus led and directed his apostles uh, through the Holy Spirit to continue spreading the message of the gospel throughout the world. In fact, the, the final words of Jesus as he ascended into heaven uh, were as follows. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And that's really what this whole book has been about. Uh, in the first chapter, we read how the Holy Spirit did indeed come upon those first disciples, and they totally transformed them, uh, or the Holy Spirit totally transformed them from this, this timid, fearful group of men into a rapidly growing church filled with uh, boldness and, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And then, under tremendous persecution, the believers in Jerusalem scattered from there, and they traveled throughout Judea and Samaria, proclaiming the gospel message everywhere they went, and people everywhere put their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. As we read through, we read about uh, God's work through men like Peter and James and John and Philip and Stephen, uh, all of whom boldly shared the gospel message, even under the threat of imprisonment or, or even death. And then, in a, an amazing turn of events, one of their greatest persecutors, Saul, who would soon become Paul, had a personal encounter with the, the risen Jesus, and he was miraculously transformed into one of the church's greatest evangelists. And it's been his story that we've been following most recently uh, as he traveled throughout the known Roman world on three different missionary journeys, planting churches and just spreading the gospel everywhere. The last few chapters of Acts have been the story of Paul's journey to Rome, uh, under arrest and on his way to stand trial before Caesar. And today, as we read the final chapter of Acts, uh, we see not really a conclusion to Paul's story, but rather the conclusion to the beginning of the story of the gospel. It's kind of like the closing scene in the first act of a play. Uh, a play that would continue to, to go uh, for the next 2,000 plus years. A story that includes you and I here today as God continues the story of transforming lives through the gospel. And so today as we read the end of the beginning, uh, we're just going to pause here and pray and thank God for his continued work in us and through us. And we'll ask him to teach us something new from his word this morning. So let's pray together. 
Dear God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to gather together in this place. Uh, we think of the, those early band of disciples some 2,000 plus years ago as they, they huddled in that upper room before the Holy Spirit came upon them. And here we are, uh, almost in some way, they're, they're great, 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 great grandchildren, spiritually speaking. We thank you that we get to continue on the work that you started in those men so many years ago. And we pray that as we open up your word today, that you would encourage us and spur us on as we continue uh, carrying out your story. Uh, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So now if you were with us here last week, you'll recall that Paul, at this moment, uh, was a prisoner on a ship bound for Rome. But as they sailed, their ship was caught up in a terrible storm that threatened to sink the ship. Uh, in fact, after being ravaged by this storm for many days, there came a point when the sailors just lost all hope of ever making it out alive. However, God had promised Paul that he was going to share the gospel in Rome. And so God reassured Paul that while the ship would indeed be destroyed, he and everyone else on board would survive. And this is exactly what happened. Uh, the ship ran aground off the coast of an island, uh, and the, the, the ship was soon smashed to pieces by the waves. But Paul and, and everyone else on board managed to either swim to shore or grab a hold of some debris and, and ended up uh, making it safely there uh, that way. And so that's where uh, chapter 28 begins uh, and where we're going to be reading today. So if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along. Acts chapter 28, starting in verse 1, begins like this. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake, driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, A murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Near the shore where we landed was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. As it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed for him, and laying his hands on him, he healed him. Then all the other sick people on the island came and were healed. As a result, we were showered with honors, and when the time came to sail, the people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. Now, there's a lot of little mini lessons that we could draw out of these first few verses. But I think as a whole, it's just a great example of God working all things together for good. Uh, Mike talked quite a bit about that last week. But just think through all the, all the negative stuff that happened, that got allowed to happen, to bring this all uh, to fruition. First of all, let's not forget that Paul is a prisoner, right? He's been falsely accused, and he's on his way to stand trial before Caesar. If convicted, he could be facing the death penalty. Uh, so that's, that's not a very good start. Then, on their way to, to Rome, their ship has been caught in this terrible storm that lasted over two weeks. All right, that's, that's a pretty massive storm. Uh, and during this time, the people could hardly eat or sleep. Uh, I've never experienced anything even close to that. I can't even imagine what that would be like. And then, of course, there's the obvious shipwreck. 
right? After running aground, the, the ship was destroyed and everyone on board had this, this terrifying and life-threatening experience of, of being shipwrecked and, and trying to, to make, it to uh, make it to land. And, and I am sure that that was not a fun experience for them. And then if that was not yet enough, uh, after being rescued, Paul's out there being a helpful guy, gathering up some wood for the fire, and this poisonous snake lashes out and chomps onto his hand. It, it just seems like it's one thing after another. But God was using all of this for good. Now, we've just listed a whole bunch of the negative stuff. Let's consider some of the examples of God's goodness in this story. First of all, God allowed this ship to wreck close enough to the island so that everyone on board could be saved. There was uh, 276 of them, uh, I believe, was the number recorded in there. And all of them made it safely to shore. That in itself is pretty amazing. Then we see that God arranged for the people of the island to treat them very kindly. And that's, that's no, no guarantee back in those days. Uh, in those days, it wasn't uncommon for shipwrecked survivors to actually be taken captive and, and sold as slaves. And so the, the extraordinary kindness of these native people here was truly a blessing from God. And then when Paul was bitten by that poisonous snake, God miraculously prevented that snake's venom from having any ill effect on Paul. And in fact, through that miracle, uh, it gave Paul and the gospel, you know, an, an extra measure of credibility with the people. In fact, it may have been this miraculous story that led Paul to be introduced to Publius in the first place, which gave him the opportunity to pray for his sick father, which, of course, led to yet another miracle when God healed this sick man, as well as all the other sick people on the island. And as a result, as verse 10 says, as a result, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, people supplied us with everything we would need for the trip. You know, so it's pretty amazing to see that, that through all that, that disaster and difficulty, we see that everybody survived. All kinds of people were healed. And Paul and his whole company were supplied with everything they needed to safely continue their journey. What's more, we can be sure that during the, the three months that Paul spent on that island, uh, he preached the gospel to these people who had never heard the, the story of Jesus. And, and many of them accepted Christ as their Savior. In fact, tradition tells us uh, that Publius actually became the first pastor for that church that was started on that island because of the ministry of Paul. And that never would have happened if it were not for a shipwreck, uh, a snake bite, and, and Publius's very sick father. You know, God's ways truly are uh, amazing. And, and what an encouragement I think that is for us. You know, often we can feel just overwhelmed by, by the shipwrecks in our life that we go through or the, the poisonous attacks of others. Maybe even the, the physical, emotional, or, or spiritual sickness that we have in our lives. But God can work miracles through all of those circumstances and he can use those, those negative things for much good. You know, what a, an encouragement it is to us to know that our God will use every disaster, every hurt, every disappointment in our lives to bring about his good purposes. And for Paul, the, the encouragement even continued. So verse 11 says, It was three months after the shipwreck that we set sail on another ship that had wintered at the island, an Alexandrian ship with the twin gods as its figurehead. Our first stop was at Syracuse, where we stayed three days. From there, we sailed across to Regium. A day later, a south wind began blowing. So the following day, uh, following day we sailed up the coast to uh, Puteoli, where we found some believers who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. 
The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming, and they came to meet us at the forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. Now, I think this is probably a, uh, an understatement here. Paul had never been to Rome before, but he was already very well known by these Roman believers. Paul had actually written a letter to these guys sometime earlier, back when he was still in Corinth during his third missionary journey. This letter that he wrote to them is known in our Bibles today as the book of Romans. And in that letter, we can see that Paul had a great affection for these Roman believers, and he had been eager to meet them for quite some time. Uh, Paul writes in Romans 1 verse 8, let me say first that I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith in him is being talked about all over the world. God knows how often I pray for you. Day and night I bring you and your needs in prayer to God, whom I serve with all my heart by spreading the good news about his son. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to see you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. And of course, this is exactly what we see happening now as these believers come out and meet Paul on his way to Rome. And I think it's just pretty cool how faithfully Paul prayed for these believers, even though he had never met them, right? He had simply heard about these believers in Rome, but yet day and night, he prayed for them, bringing them and their needs before God. And he longed to see them, to go in and encourage them in person and be encouraged by their faith. And so now, literally years after praying for these believers that he'd never met, these fellow Christians in Rome, now, as Paul finally approaches Rome, these believers come out to meet him. And, and of course, as verse 15 tells us, he was greatly encouraged and thanked God for them. You know, it's such a blessing that God puts people in our lives who lift us up in prayer and, and encourage us when we need it the most. Uh, this week, Heather and I were visited by uh, Heather's college roommate and her husband, uh, Christine and Andy, and they've been missionaries in Kazakhstan for the last 18 years. And it's just amazing to hear some of the stories that they shared with us of what God is doing in and through their lives there, even way over there in, in Kazakhstan. But I think what was most amazing to me as they shared all this was that even though we've only visited these guys, I think like twice in the last 15 years, there was such a, a connection that we had with them as, as you only get with brothers and sisters in the Lord. You know, it was like they were dear friends that we'd known all our lives. But that's how it is in the family of God. You know, we can be such different people. We can come from different backgrounds. Uh, we can have uh, different cultures, even speak different languages. And yet, because of our common faith in Christ, We've got this, this automatic uh, affinity and unity with other people uh, as brothers and sisters in the family of God. That's, that's one of the things that I love about our church. You know, we all come from very different backgrounds, different church backgrounds, different nationalities, different economic situations. Uh, and we've got different interests. We've got different values. We, we've got different views on politics and, you know, whatever the, the current issues are of the day. But because we are brothers and sisters in Christ— None of those differences really matter. You know, despite our differences, we have Christ in common. And because of that, we can live life together. We can encourage one another, build each other up. We can pray for each other and work side by side for the kingdom of God. You know, it's pretty awesome to be in this, this family called the church. 
And, and that was certainly Paul's experience, I think, with these, these fellow believers in Rome. You know, what a time of, of joy and fellowship it must have been for him and them as they, they finally met for, for one another, whom they'd been praying for after all these years. Uh, so now, after this time of refreshing for Paul, Paul was ready to complete his journey to Rome. It says in verse 16, When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. He said to them, Brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. They replied, we have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here. But we want to hear what you believe, for the only thing we know about this movement is that it is denounced everywhere. So unlike the believers who joyfully came out to, to meet Paul just outside the city, these Jewish leaders in the city of Rome had not even heard of Paul. All right? In fact, they, they hardly knew anything about, about Jesus or the gospel. In fact, the only thing they knew about Christianity was that it was denounced everywhere. But I think to their credit, they still came to listen to this, this prisoner, Paul. Uh, remember, Paul's still under house arrest at this point. Uh, he's guarded by a, a Roman soldier at all times, bound with a chain in some way, apparently. Uh, not likely allowed to go anywhere, but apparently allowed to have all the visitors he wanted. And so Paul kind of takes advantage of that. He invites the, the Jewish leaders to come to his house, his, his personal jail cell, as it were, uh, to explain to them about his belief that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, had already come. And so we read in verse 23. So a time was set, and on that day a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the book of the prophets, he spoke to them from morning until evening. Some were persuaded by the things he said, but others did not believe. Now, as we've seen many, many times before, Paul's clear explanation of the gospel met with mixed reactions. Uh, some were persuaded by what he said. Others did not believe. And that just really seems to be the, the theme of Paul's whole life and ministry. And really, that's pretty much what Jesus said would happen for anyone who tries to share the good news with others. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 13, You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. You know, we should not be surprised when the majority of the people around us choose not to follow the narrow way to life. Because truth be told, trusting God with your whole life is not easy. I mean, salvation is indeed a free gift. But there's certainly a price to pay to following Christ, or a price, yeah, a price to pay to following Christ. Uh, you just think of, of the life of Paul and all the things that he endured because he was a follower of Jesus. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, actually, Paul uh, recounts some of the things that he endured for being a follower of Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. 40, by the way, would, would kill a man. But 
Five times he got those 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold, without enough clothing to keep me warm. And by the way, this was all written before he made this final journey to Rome. Uh, Paul has had a pretty rough go of it. Now, of course, not every believer goes through all the stuff that, that Paul did, but I don't think any Christian would say that following Christ was easy. But I think we can say that it's worth it. Following Christ through the narrow gate is the way to life, to real life, to, uh, to life-giving, joy-filling, purpose-fulfilling life. But Jesus said in Matthew 7 that the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Uh, just uh, as a little sneak peek for next week, um, actually next week we're going to start a, a new sermon series uh, kind of revolving around discipleship. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this specifically. What does it look like and what does it take to follow Jesus and, uh, and become more like him? That's, so that's kind of what we're looking at for the rest of the summer. So you can kind of look forward to that. But to get back to our passage here, we see that some of the Jewish leaders were persuaded by the things that Paul said. Others did not believe. And so verse 25 continues. It says, And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, they left with this final word from Paul. The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, Go and say to this people, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened. And their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. You know, what God said through Isaiah to the people of Israel way back then is equally applicable now to us. You know, it's still today. People harden their hearts. You know, they might hear the word of God. They might even see the things that God is doing. But because their hearts have been hardened towards God, they don't understand they don't comprehend, and as a result, they cannot turn to Christ and allow him to bring healing to their lives. And I certainly hope that that is not the case uh, for any of us here. You know, if you've been coming to church for any length of time now, you've heard the gospel message, right? You've heard that, that God loves you like crazy. In fact, he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for your sin. You've heard that God has offered you forgiveness and life and healing for your life. If you would only choose to trust him. And so I would just urge you not to harden your heart to that message. Don't choose the, the wide and, and the easier road that leads to destruction, but rather choose to believe that Jesus is worth following and then follow him through that narrow gateway on the, the somewhat difficult road, but the road that leads to life. And that brings us now to the final verses of Acts. After Paul kind of warns them against hardening their hearts, he says this, so I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. So for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. 
You know, if the Jews were going to harden their hearts, then Paul would very well preach to the Gentiles. And he was confident that they would listen. And so, preach he did. Now, of course, he, he couldn't travel the world like he once did, but still, he was ready and available to anyone who came. And so, uh, as people came, he shared about the gospel, he shared uh, about Jesus, and, and that's kind of the conclusion to the book of Acts. Now, on one hand, it kind of seems like Paul, or not Paul, but Luke has kind of left us hanging here, right? We've got Paul waiting trial, and, and that's kind of the end of the book. So yeah, you kind of wonder, well, Paul or Luke, where's the rest of the, where's the other two chapters, right? How does this all wrap up? Does, does Paul ever go and stand before Caesar? And if he does, what was the outcome? Did, did Caesar release him, find him innocent? Did he condemn him to death? Did Paul go on more missionary journeys? What happened to Paul? Luke never tells us. But don't forget that this story was never about Paul, right? This is the continuing story of what Jesus began to do and teach and what he continues to do today. Now, the book of Acts began with Jesus commanding his disciples to go into all the world and to preach the gospel, to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, with Paul's arrival in Rome, which was kind of the, the center of the known world at that time, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God, teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone who visited him, with nobody trying to stop him. You know, it's not quite mission accomplished, but it's certainly mission fully begun. You know, Christianity was no longer just a, a ragtag group of, of uh, fringe Jews in Jerusalem, but it was a, a worldwide movement that would continue to shape history and transform lives for the next, well, 2,000 plus years. Just two weeks ago, we heard six testimonies from young people in our very group here uh, sharing about what God had done in their lives. And, and this is all some 2,000 years after Paul proclaimed the gospel message in Rome. But their stories are a continuation of God's work in transforming people's lives. What God began to do through Paul and the other disciples way back then, he continues to do through us today. It's like the book of Acts continues with our story. Now, we might not relate so well to, you know, Paul getting shipwrecked or thrown in prison for his faith or standing trial before kings and emperors, but I think we can actually relate pretty well with these last two verses. You just, just put your own name and details in there instead of Paul's. It could read something like this. For the next two years, Greg and Nicole lived in Penhold at their own expense. They welcomed all who visited them, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop them. Isn't that pretty cool? And, and all of us could put our names right there in that story. Uh, just like those disciples that, uh, that went before us, we get to be witnesses for Jesus Christ in Penhold, throughout Red Deer County, and, and in the city of Red Deer itself, and to the ends of the earth. And so this morning... I would just encourage you to consider what your story might look like. You know, as God continues to transform people's lives, how might he do that through you? Perhaps right now, you're at a, a decision point, deciding between the, the broad and the narrow roads. You know, maybe God's at work in you, softening your heart, urging you to trust him with your whole life. And if that's the case, I would join with him in urging you to make that decision today. Not to put it off any longer, but to choose the, the narrow road that may be difficult, but it leads to real life. Or maybe today you're in one of those storms. Maybe you've had a, a bit of a shipwreck, even this morning. Perhaps you feel like you've got a, a poisonous viper hanging from your hand. 
Well, at this point in your life, you probably can't quite see what God is doing. But I assure you that he is working. He's arranging people and arranging circumstances to bring about his goodwill, and you get to be a part of that. Now, in the moment, that probably doesn't seem like a lot of fun, but I would just encourage you to trust him, to, to believe that he's still good, that he still loves you like crazy, and he's going to bring you through. Or maybe you feel a little bit like Paul here at the end of this chapter, you know, under house arrest, just kind of sitting around waiting for something to change. Maybe you feel stuck in the mundane activities of life. Well, can I just encourage you that God can still work through you even in the mundane. You can still proclaim the kingdom of God to anyone that God brings into your life. I mean, unless you're, you're in solitary confinement somewhere, you can still teach somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ. So in this season of life, I just encourage you to be faithful, to keep being his witness wherever you are, and just know that nothing we ever do for him is ever wasted. Because all of these different seasons of our life are part of our story, right? They're part of God's story as he works in us and through us. Our job is simply to trust him, to follow him, and give him all the praise and the glory for all that he is and all that he does. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for Paul's life uh, and for his faithfulness. We thank you for the faithfulness of all those early disciples uh, as they uh, were your witnesses in Jerusalem, in Samaria, through Judea, and now to the ends of the earth. God, I pray as we here in Penhold, which seems pretty much the end of the earth, we pray that as we go out uh, into our community this week, that we would continue uh, following the, the tradition and the pattern set for us by those disciples. We would continue to tell our story to people uh, as they hear what you've done for us and that, that you are willing to do that for them as well. I pray that there would be many people that would choose that, that maybe more difficult road, but that narrow road that leads to life because of uh, our testimonies. We share that with them. God, continue to encourage us in the, the shipwrecks and the snake bites and, and all the things that we go through this week. Uh, may we know that you're a good God who loves us like crazy and who's writing an incredible story with an incredible ending. Uh, we thank you that we get to be part of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.